happening? Good Monday morning to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is very much appreciated. Let's start with the Patriots offensive coordinator search. We spent a lot of time last week talking about it. We did the breaking news podcast of Bill O'Brien going to Ohio State last Thursday night. And here we are within 72 hours of Bill O'Brien leaving for Ohio State. Interviews are being set up by Gerard Mayo and the Patriots organization. Nick Cayley and Zach Robinson are the two names that we've heard. Nick Cayley is going to do a Zoom interview today. Zach Robinson will do the same tomorrow. I love this. I love this. Let's start with the idea of the Sean McVay tree. The Sean McVay coaching tree, as we've seen across the NFL, has really blossomed over the last few years. And the tree under Sean McVay, to this point, has had proven success. It only makes sense for Gerard Mayo and company to go to L.A. and talk to many of the coaches on this staff. We know that they're looking at special teams coordinators. We know they're looking at offensive coordinators. Who knows what else they're looking at when it comes to the Rams and that staff out in L.A. under McVay. The, the McVay coaching tree has been fantastic, and this is what we've talked about, a talented staff. Go out and get the most talented staff as you can. We all know that Gerard Mayo is a first-time head coach. One of the biggest questions about Mayo and whether or not he's going to succeed here in New England is his inexperience as the top guy. And you don't have to look any further than Philadelphia. Philadelphia brings in Nick Sirianni. Lots of questions about Sirianni. Lots of questions about Sirianni's introductory press conference. But he brought in Shane Steichen, and he also had Gannon as his D.C., and now you look at Gannon in Arizona and Steichen in Indianapolis, and both guys have done a pretty good job given the circumstances they had to deal with in year one. And then you see what happened in Philly when the D.C. and O.C. had to be replaced. Somewhat of a disastrous finish of this season. So we all know that Mayo is going to have to learn. He's going to have to grow. He's going to have to develop as a head coach. And the best way to support him is by beefing up the staff as much as you can. So go out there to L.A. and discuss all of the opportunities that are here in New England, the promotions that might await them here in New England, and see if you can take a couple of people from that Ram staff and create something new, fresh, and exciting here in New England. And we're talking about creativity offensively. We're talking about motion. When you watch a Sean McVay offense, there's plenty of motion, there's some misdirection, and there's creativity. There is finding ways to get their best players wide open. There are finding ways of making it easier for the quarterback position. This is what the McVay offense does. We've seen it with Jared Goff, with Matthew Stafford, and yes, Stafford is a very talented guy. But the Sean McVay offense will make it as easy as possible for any young quarterback to succeed at a high level early on in their career. They will scheme it up. Three wide receiver sets, plenty of running the football. There is a lot of balance within the McVay offense. Some people think that the McVay offense is all throwing the football. It's not. Of course it's not. It stems from the Shanahan offense. The Shanahan offense is based off of running the football. That's why the Niners are so dangerous because of Christian McCaffrey. And they used Debo Samuel before that to run the football. So I, I love the idea of going out and hunting people from one of the most talented staffs in all of the league. That Rams team much better this year than anybody anticipated, and there's a reason for that. 
I love the idea of the creativity offensively and separating yourself from what this was. We'll get into that in just a minute. Want to uh, remind you, don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Every thumb means an awful lot. More likes means more eyeballs. Last week, the last two weeks, as a matter of fact, two of the best weeks we've had with this podcast since we started in September, and it's all because of you. It's the likes, the thumbs up that we get on YouTube to beat that algorithm, the comments, the subscriptions, the subscriber numbers are jumping. Last time I checked, we're past 1.5 now, which is fantastic, but we want to grow even bigger and we get there because of you. So don't forget to give us that like, comment, subscribe, whether it's on Twitter slash X or Facebook or YouTube, all of those help us out and Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. You can also comment as well. All right, let's jump into a couple things here quickly. Benny's Ben says, OC talk is great, but you need a line and a quarterback to run it. Yes, Benny. And I think all of us understand that. And I think uh, the front office understands that. We understand that. They understand that. I don't think they're saying to themselves, okay, we bring in Nick Cayley or Zach Robinson, and that's all we got to do. Our hands are washed, right? We're done. I don't think they're saying that. It stands to reason that you need the horses. Unless you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes who will get the absolute best out of not much like we saw last night. That dude is special, right? You need the supporting cast. You need the offensive line. You need the skill positions to play their role. We all know they need to get better talent. But here's the thing. We're in January, so they can't get better talent right now unless they trade for somebody, which I don't think is going to happen in late January. So we don't have free agency until March. We don't have the draft until late April. It's all about the steps that you take. And the first step is finding an offensive coordinator and an offensive staff that will help this team evolve and be better. So that's what I'm looking at. We'll discuss free agency when we get there or as we get into mid-February. We'll discuss the draft. We'll do all of that over the next few months. But the first step is finding the right offensive coordinator. Derek, thank you, Nick, for making my work morning go by fast. I hope they do this rebuild right. We all do. We all hope so. And, yes, Shane Waldron is going to the Bears. He was uh, one of the guys on my list. I think that's a fantastic hire by Chicago. He has coached under some of the best coaches in football over the past decade. He had experience here in New England for a couple of years a long time ago. Most recently, the Seattle offensive coordinator. So Shane Waldron, I think, is a fantastic hire by the Bears. Now we see what the Bears do as far as quarterback. Is it going to be Justin Fields or is it going to be Caleb Williams? All right, back to the idea of Nick Cayley and Zach Robinson experience outside the New England system. Gerard Mayo said last week during his press conference, I don't believe in echo chambers. I'm not interested in having echo chambers. And one of the things that we were all looking at, I believe, at least I was, at the beginning of Gerard Mayo's head coaching tenure, would he be open to going outside of the Patriots system? Would he be willing to listen to outside voices, to have interviews with people, that are outside this world. Remember, Belichick had an opportunity to find an offensive coordinator last year. What did he do? He interviewed everyone that had a history with either him or the football team. Every single one of those people. And you hear about Belichick maybe going down to Atlanta. And what's Belichick's plan? To keep it in the family. The dream team, right? Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. That's what we saw for 20-plus years here in New England. 
And I find it refreshing that somebody now who is going to be leading this program is willing to go outside of the doors, outside of the walls to have conversations with people that could help this offense and this football team. That to me is exciting. Open-minded. Get away from the Earhart Perkins offense. Talk to somebody about McVay and Shanahan. And when you when you think about Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and the changing of this offense back in 2022, that was not the worst idea for Belichick. It really wasn't. He was trying to change the system. The issue was he was unwilling to go outside of the walls to bring somebody who had experience with that system in to run the system. That was the major issue with that decision to pick Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to run that offense, install that offense, was the mistake. So if you're going to move to a McVay-Shanahan offense, it only makes sense to bring in people like Nick Cayley, like Zach Robinson, and like some others that we've had conversations about on this very podcast because they have coached the system. They've been there. They've witnessed Sean McVay run it. Get away from the echo chambers. The other thing that jumps out at me when we look at what Gerard Mayo is trying to do with this staff in totality is the youth. It's rather obvious that Mayo wants to have a youth movement within this staff. Zach Robinson's 37 years old. Nick Cayley is 42 years old. I believe he turns 42 today. So happy birthday to Nick Cayley. And, and this all goes into what Mayo was talking about last week in that intro press conference, connecting with players. Finding a different way, connecting with the 2024 NFL player. And so you start to see all of these interviews that Mayo has had on the defensive side, special teams, and now what they're lining up offensively. All of these guys are like 44, 45 years old or younger. I think Zach Robinson might be the oldest guy they've talked to about a coordinator position. Again, he turned 42 today. So youth, exuberance different ways to connect with players. It's obviously a priority for Mayo. Now, who would I rather have out of Robinson and Kaylee? I'd rather have Robinson. I think Robinson is the better offensive coordinator prospect, so to speak. And why I say that is he was a former quarterback. He was drafted into the NFL by the Patriots back in 2010. So he's played the quarterback position, which is huge. He also has quarterback development experience. Evan Lazar from Patriots.com wrote about Robinson last week and wrote, Robinson worked as an independent quarterback consultant following his playing career. So this is somebody who, when he was done playing, he got into the consultant game and he worked on developing quarterbacks. And so if you're going to draft a quarterback, which we think is the most likely case in April, although we don't know for sure, if you're drafting your own quarterback, whether that's May or Daniels, if you draft one of those two guys, it is a fantastic approach to have somebody who is your offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach who has a focus in a history of developing quarterbacks and who has played that position before. I think that makes a ton of sense. Let's jump to a super chat. Uh, cool, genuine Phil just jumps in again. I thank all of you for uh, the super chats, your donations to this program. Go Celtics, Pats, Bruins, and what the hell the Red Sox doing? 
Yeah, we're going to get to the Red Sox a little bit later because my freaking goodness, winter weekend was a disaster. If you didn't think it could get worse for the Red Sox, they proved otherwise over the weekend. Awful. Absolutely awful. So I like the idea of Zach Robinson more than Nick Cayley. I think Robinson's resume with the quarterback position is a better match for what the Patriots will be looking for. And that's really how you start from the ground up, right? You start with a young quarterback. You start with an offensive coordinator who can develop that quarterback with a system that is simple for the quarterback. All of these things make sense. All of these things are logical. And I do wonder if both guys would be open to coming here. Again, Kaylee was here for a number of years. Maybe you have Kaylee come in as the pass game coordinator. You have Robinson as the offensive coordinator. And you have not one but two guys from that Rams offensive staff to come on in, inject new life to this offense, and fully evolutionize things as we move into the next season. I think that would be fantastic. If you could end up with both Kaylee and Robinson, that's a great start for Gerard Mayo on the side of the football that we all know he does not have a ton of experience with, if any. So we'll see what happens. Coming up a little bit later, Red Sox ownership again, leadership continue to uh, embarrass themselves and take us for idiots. But now let's get back to the development of, of the quarterback and let's talk about good offensive line play. Because the offensive line is crucial to this operation. And as was brought up earlier, you can have a fantastic offensive coordinator. You can have somebody brilliant calling the plays. But if the talent isn't good, it's not going to matter much. So when we look at all of these names, Aaron says he doesn't think that Kaylee is a great choice. At least they're doing something different. I mean, everybody around Kaylee has a lot of good to say about him. So, you know, when you look at the idea of Kaylee, he worked with red zone offense, tight ends, coaches. A lot of times they're the guys that create a lot of fun plays that you see scheme wise. They get involved with some of the scheme and, and creating some of that. So I think everybody looked at Nick Cayley as the possibility in 2022, but it could have been down to the, the title. I saw Chris Gasper last night on Sports Sunday say that Cayley, you know, he wanted to be known as the offensive coordinator. And when you're the OC, you get a little bit of a pay bump pretty much. And it sounded like Belichick was uncomfortable with the idea of naming Nick Cayley the OC and giving him that pay raise. So Kaylee said thanks, but no thanks, and moved on and went to L.A. But he had the inside track of being the offensive coordinator here before that happened. And so I think he has the goods to make that jump, but I would like to have Robinson above Kaylee and let him roll with it. Shooter McGavin says Robinson will leave for a head coach job after two years. Look, as soon as you hire Gerard Mayo, that was going to be an issue. And we've talked about this before. You have to build the offensive staff. Yeah, man. Look, it's it's obvious. If you hire a young gun offensive coordinator like the Lions did with Ben Johnson and that guy crushes it, then you're going to have to eventually replace that guy. But that's the way the world works. That's the way the world works. So you have to have a staff that is deep. And as Robinson is the OC for the next year or two, if he gets the job, then have Nick Cayley, some other guys underneath him. And then you are teaching them and you are developing those guys 
as the next dude moves on. And that's how this works. But as soon as you went to a defensive-minded head coach, that's what we were looking at. All right, let's go to uh, Cody Woods, who says, not re-signing Owenu. Yeah, let's get into it. Because the offensive line, as I just mentioned, is going to play huge dividends for any quarterback in the success level you'll have offensively. And we saw this past year. The O-line was a dumpster fire. thing was trash. And you need to upgrade. And you have several issues that you're looking at here. So Jeremy Fowler of ESPN wrote recently that the Patriots essentially know Owenu isn't coming back and he will have high bidders. A lot of teams view Owenu as the top offensive lineman in free agency because of his physicality, quickness, and ability to play guard or tackle. Again, that's Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. I would love to keep Owenu. I wonder if this has to do with the evaluation of the player. Look, I'm not going to sit here and break down offensive linemen. I can't tell you if Michael Wenu could be an above-average tackle, a great tackle, a middling tackle. I actually listen to those who watch the film and, and pay attention to offensive line play, namely Greg Bedard and Evan Lazar. And those guys have kind of been back and forth on Michael Wenu and whether or not he could play the right tackle position for the next five, six years. And so the evaluation seems to be split. Some people believe that Owenu can play tackle. Other people believe that Owenu can play tackle in spot starting, but he's not the ultimate answer. So inevitably, if somebody is going to pay Michael Owenu as the top tackle in the class, he's going to get paid a ton of money. And it's not necessarily the money part of it. Again, it's the allocation of the resources. You have the money to pay Michael Wenu as the top tackle in the class. But if you don't think that Michael Wenu is the top tackle in the class, then you're going to think it's a massive overpay. So it's all about the evaluation. And, and my concern is, who is evaluating Michael Wenu? Adrian Clem had to leave before that Germany game due to a serious health issue. So who in-house is evaluating the offensive line play? Who in-house is saying, I don't believe Owenu is a tackle, I believe Owenu is a guard, if that is the conversation that's happening? Who's having that conversation right now? Because if you're the Patriots and you believe that Owenu is a guard, then you look at it and you say, we drafted So, we drafted Mafi, we drafted Jake Andrews, we drafted Cole Strange in the first round a few years ago. That is some big-time, big-time resources for the interior of the offensive line. So if, if you think Owenu is a guard, you spent so many draft picks on guards, eventually you have to give those guys the chance. Now, the offensive tackle position in the draft is also deep. So maybe the Patriots are looking at this and saying, well, we're going to say goodbye to Owenu because he's going to get paid as a top tackle. We think he's a guard. We have plenty of guards and interior linemen on the roster right now that we think will develop and, and be good, and we'll draft that tackle to replace Owenu. But here's the problem with that. You have not one but two tackle spots open. So what are you going to do? I mean, this comes down to do you trust Trent Brown or do you think that Owenu is a guard slash tackle? That's the issue. 
because you have two gigantic holes. You can't lose both guys. You cannot go into this offseason losing both tackles. At least I don't think you can. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't want to. You're trying to rebuild this thing. And I don't want to walk into an offseason going, well, we have no right tackle. We have no left tackle. This is going well. You can't lose both of those guys. Before I continue, don't forget, give us that like. Give us that thumbs up. More thumbs means more eyeballs as we continue to build this community. It just takes a second of your time. You think about all the time you spent this weekend just kind of hanging out on the couch or going to the bar or whatever you were doing. Take one second of that time and give us that thumbs up. YouTube, Facebook, X slash Twitter, all of it. Thank you for the thumbs up, the likes. Thank you for the comments, and thank you for the subscriptions. Let's continue to attack that subscriber number. Let's continue to fight back on YouTube and beat that algorithm. I'm not an offensive line expert, as I said. I'm not watching every single snap and breaking down hand placement and and feet and all of those things and how long somebody's arms are. I'm not into that kind of deal. I appreciate people that are into that deal. I think that a one who can play tackle. I think a one who played tackle well enough for the vast majority of the time he was out there this past year that I would bring him back. I would absolutely bring him back. I would absolutely pay him. You have the money to do it. I would I would believe more in the idea that a Wenu can play tackle full-time than I would believe in this idea that Trent Brown is going to be captain consistency, bring you the leadership and the hustle, and play very good football from week one to week 18. I have more confidence in a Wenu making that transition to tackle than I have confidence in Trent Brown getting with the program. And I have to keep one of the two guys. I'm not losing both. So I am paying Owenu. You got the cap space. And at worst, if Owenu doesn't work at tackle, you have a guy who could be an all-pro level guard. So at least you have an offensive lineman who could be one of the best in football. And even if it's not in the position that you want him to be eventually, you have talent on the offensive line. I have no idea if a Tony O'Mafi or Jake Andrews or City So is going to blossom and develop and be that next dude. I don't know those guys are going to work out. Cole Strange banged up an awful lot. I don't know if Cole Strange is going to be healthy. I mean, if you don't bring a Wenu back, you have to replace both offensive tackles and you have to pray that two of those young offensive guards are going to actually work on your roster. Just too many questions. Devin Allen, Super Chat, I appreciate it. Again, you throw your Super Chat in there, you jump to the front of the line. If you had to choose a position to fix via free agency, would it be wide receiver or offensive line? I would say wide receiver because there are more options. There are more options out there, Devin, at wide receiver than there are at offensive line. The tackle class in free agency isn't very good. Tackle class is very deep in the draft. But there's not a lot of guys out there that can play offensive tackle that you look at and you say, oh, we'll pay him a bunch of money. He's going to fix it. Wide receiver, there's Mike Evans. There's T. Higgins. There's Hollywood Brown. There's a lot of different names out there as far as wide receiver goes. So if I'm looking at free agency, my plan of attack is I want to find wide receiver one in free agency. And then I go into the draft thinking quarterback, tackle, and another wide receiver. If you can go out there and sign a stud wide receiver one, then you draft a young guy 
as a wide receiver two and you have Pop Douglas coming back as wide receiver three, maybe Kendrick Bourne as your four, or Kayshawn Booty, I'd get rid of Juju. I'd get rid of Devontae Parker. I'd start, I'd start all new outside of Pop Douglas and maybe Kayshawn Booty. Kendrick Bourne, if he's healthy, of course. But Parker and Juju, not my plans for 2024. And I would look to sign one of those receivers on day one. Then I would draft a young receiver in the third, fourth round. I'd look to get my quarterback of the future. If I loved that guy in the, at number three, I would draft that guy. And then I'd look for offensive tackle in the second round. Sports Unlimited. I'm happy to pass our interviewing uh, Kaylee and Robinson as long as we have a stable of coaches behind them to keep the offensive scheme. Yes, again, you have to have, you have to have depth with that offensive staff. Have to have depth with that offensive staff. Again, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. All right, let's wrap up with the Red Sox and their terrible winter weekend. Let's let's just eviscerate the Red Sox yet again because they deserve every bit of the eviscerating. This was brutal winter weekend. The Red Sox messaging of the last week or so, we're not spending at the top level, and we're going to be cutting payroll. Hate both of those things. Pete Abraham posted, Sam Kennedy said the payroll will be lower this season. Lower. A few, mem- a few moments later, Tom Werner said the Sox were the cornerstone of Fenway Sports Group. So you have Sam Kennedy, who's telling us that the Red Sox payroll is going to be lower this year than it was last year. After this team has been in last place three of the four prior seasons. And you have the Fenway Sports Group with Tom Werner saying the Red Sox is the cornerstone of that sports group. That valuation-wise, last time I checked, was worth $7 billion. So the cornerstone of the Fenway Sports Group with a a $7 billion valuation is looking to lower payroll in 2024. What in the blue hell? Chris Cotillo posted, Sam Kennedy, over the weekend, quote, I understand that when you people equate aggressive spending with trying, and I get that, we own that because we haven't matched up on big boffo long-term contracts, there may be a perception that we're not trying, and I can assure you that we are trying. Look, Sam, big spending means that you're trying to bring in superstars. Superstars make your baseball team better. They give you a better chance to win something and win immediately. And you're not spending up to the luxury tax. So when you're not spending up to the luxury tax, that's a problem. Because your number one priority as a baseball team is to bring in talent. And your ownership group has been unwilling to spend the kind of money they need to spend to bring in those superstars. This is not hard. And if you didn't think it could get worse, just let let Tom Werner talk into a microphone. Here's what he said to Tom Karen on Nesson about the full throttle comments. They're too focused on two words. You're a journalist, you know, That's a little overblown. Full throttle is the way I live my own life. It's my mantra. I don't accept mediocrity. We as a group don't accept mediocrity. You've accepted three last place finishes in the last four years, Tom. And that has not given you any urgency to spend on this roster. Also, full throttle is the way I live my own life. (laughs) That is such a joke. That is such a joke. Oh, that's what you meant by saying full throttle. 
You you were you were talking about how you live your life, Tom Cruise. What in the bleep are we talking about here? And, and when he says this, when he talks about full throttle, and he mentions, oh well, those things are overblown, and I'm talking about the way I live my life, and I I was talking about different levers to pull, like he said last week to Sean McAdam. Tom Werner is being disingenuous. He is being a disingenuous clown. And if you're a Red Sox fan, you know this. If you've been paying special attention to Tom Warner, you know this. Because let's not forget what the context and the questions were to Tom Warner when he mentioned full throttle. He can be disingenuous. He can have revisionist history. We're not going to here at the Nick Cattle Show. At the time, here's what Warner said. Quote, we know that we have to be competitive next year. So we're going to be competitive next year. We're going to have to be full throttle in every possible way. Ah, gotcha, Tom. We have to be full throttle in every possible way. Every possible way includes signing players. Spending the money. Going full throttle in free agency is spending the money. So Tom Werner can try to shift this conversation all he wants. It ain't going to work. At the time, Chris Cotillo wrote this at Mass Live. Werner was asked specifically if the Red Sox will pursue high-end starting pitchers on the free agent market. Warner responded, quote, let me just say that we don't have any built-in restrictions, unquote. So right there, not only did Tom Werner say that we're going full throttle, he was asked specifically by the media if the Red Sox were going to go after high-end starting pitching, and his reaction, his response was, we don't have any built-in restrictions, which means full throttle. You're spending as much as you have to to get that high-end pitching. They have reversed course, and they're trying to tell you that they haven't. They're peeing on your leg and saying that it's raining outside. Werner also said this, I think the inconsistency that we've had can be helped a lot by, as Craig said, making decisions that include that include going after expensive free agents. It was not either or. It was both. And now you're selling everyone on just one of the two. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. But you really want to you really want to hear the 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 dumbest quote of all time. Would you like to hear the dumbest quote of all time from Tom Warner? Here it is. This is what he said over the weekend. This guy should never touch a microphone again. He should be hidden in a cave somewhere. Quote, when I last looked, we won four World Series, which is more than any team in baseball since the year 2000. Oh, that is so stupid. I can't possibly justify how stupid that is. So Tom Werner, again, here's Tom Werner. When I last looked, we won four World Series, which is more than any team in baseball since the year 2000. Here is why that's the dumbest comment of all time. Are you ready? That is the dumbest comment of all time, because when you look at the, the four World Series teams in the payroll, it tells you everything you need to know. It actually flies in the face of what Tom Warner is now preaching. It makes him and this ownership group and this leadership group look completely, completely idiotic. The World Series teams and their payroll. Do you remember what the Red Sox payroll was when they won those four World Series, Tom? Do you remember, Mr. Warner? 
Let me remind you where the Boston Red Sox ranked in payroll in baseball when they won those four World Series that you were walking around with your chest out, proud as a peacock to let everybody know. In 2004, the Red Sox won their first World Series, as we know, in 86 years. Their payroll in 2004 was the second highest payroll in baseball. In 2007, they won a World Series. Their payroll in 2007 was the second highest payroll in baseball. In 2013, the Red Sox won a World Series. Their payroll was number four in baseball. And in 2018, when you won that fourth World Series or third World Series, you were number one in payroll. Yes, the fourth World Series, number one in payroll. So Tom Warner is telling us, Hey, we won four World Series. We know what we're doing here, right? When last I looked, we won four World Series, more than any other team in baseball since the year 2000. Okay, great. Those four championships, your ranking in in payroll throughout baseball was two, two, four, and one. You never won a World Series as an ownership group with your payroll being lower than fourth in baseball. Do you think that's a coincidence, Tom? In 2023, the Red Sox payroll was 10th. And here he is trying to tell you, we won four World Series. Okay, great. You won four World Series because you were a top four spending team in baseball. You clueless hack. It's it's unreal. And, And it got worse. Werner said that, you know, as far as uh, free agency and finances and how much the Red Sox ask you to pay to go to Fenway Park, Werner said that they're selling the Fenway experience. Oh, and student tickets are affordable. He actually said these things. The Fenway experience, is this a theme park or is it a baseball team? I'm going to Epcot on Thursday. I'm going to Epcot for the experience. I go to Fenway to watch a baseball team win baseball games. This isn't Disney World. But hey, students get good deals. Sure, that helps all the families of four spending out of their tuchus to go to a Red Sox game to watch a team that's been in last place three of the last four years. I mean, it's it's just so ridiculous and embarrassing. Oh, and they also won't give you a timetable. Sam Kennedy, I don't think it would be appropriate to offer a timetable on anything at this point. Okay, so you don't think it's appropriate to take any kind of responsibility or accountability by giving us a time frame on when you're going to be competing because that's what you're doing. When you don't tell us we're going to compete, this is the plan, this is what we're doing, you leave it out there in the ether, you're not going to take any responsibility or accountability because if you stink again this year, you're going to give us the same drivel next season. So everybody, just keep waiting. Just keep waiting for the Red Sox to be good. It'll happen one day. Kennedy said, you have our word. We'll do everything that we can to be better. And it starts in 2024. It starts in 2024. We'll do everything we can to be better. Well, that shouldn't be tough since you're a last place team. And it starts in 2024. You traded Mookie Betts Four years ago, the Betts trade happened four years ago. 
in and out. It's going to start in 2024. What has been happening the last four years, Sam? I mean, this is insane. This is a clown show. From John Henry to Tom Werner to Sam Kennedy. And they're going to put it all on Breslow. Absolute joke. Two thousand four, you win a World Series, number two in payroll. Two thousand seven, win a World Series, number two in payroll. Two thousand thirteen, win a World Series, number four in payroll. Two thousand eighteen, win a World Series, number one in payroll. There's a common denominator. When the Red Sox have spent money, they've had a much better chance at winning a World Series than when they haven't spent money. And over the last several years, the money spent continues to decline, including this year when they're telling all of us that they're going to have less on the payroll than they had a year ago. Unwilling to get up to the luxury tax. Who do I want? We've talked about this in prior podcasts. Yamamoto, I would have at least given an offer that was worthwhile. We don't even know what they offered for Yamamoto. I wonder why that is. Because they know it was an embarrassing offer. Jordan Montgomery, I'm in on. I'm in on Montgomery. I mean, it's just... Shooter McGavin, we couldn't get Yamamoto. Again, it doesn't matter if you cannot get him or you can get him. What matters is, are you even trying? Are you willing to spend the money? They're the interest kings. They're the interest kings. Whether you can get him or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is the intention of the baseball team, the intention of the ownership. Do you at least try to swing at Yamamoto, or do you just say, we weren't going to get him anyway, so hey, it is what it is? We didn't have any chance, so why even bother? If you're defending this ownership group in any way, good luck to you. I don't know what to tell you over the past three or four years what we've seen from this ownership group. They lie to your face. They tell you they're going to go full throttle. They're going to spend all of this money. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to be hunting superstars. Tom Warner talks about we've got to bring in people that have high war numbers because those are the guys that make the difference. When he's asked about high-end pitching, he talks about full throttle and having no restrictions. And then when Yamamoto's out there and he's available, you have restrictions because you're not willing to go as far as the Dodgers did and the Yankees did with the money. You had restrictions. You told us there would be no restrictions, and then you put restrictions on your spending. This is a team that finished in last place last year. They're going to spend less on payroll this offseason when they desperately need starting pitching. I don't care if it's a two or three or a four. You need starting pitching. You sign Lucas Giolito to a two-year contract, which equates to a one-year contract. And if he has a good year, guess what? He's going into free agency next season. And he's going to cost you a bunch of money. 
and you're not going to resign them because you're unwilling to spend that money. They're under $200 million in payroll. I think right now they're 11th or 12th in payroll. After finishing in last place three of the last four years. I don't know how anybody, anybody can try to put lipstick on this pig. Keep waiting. Shooter McGavin. I'm going to keep going at you, Shooter. You, you want to keep throwing? I'm going to keep countering, my friend. Draft, develop, and extend. It sounds good in theory. Number one, you have to hit on the picks. Number two, those guys have to develop. Number three, you're going to have to be able to extend those guys, which means the players have to going to be uh, amenable to it, or you're going to be willing to spend the money eventually. They could have done that with Mookie Betts. They had an opportunity to extend him. They didn't do it. They had an opportunity to do that with Xander Bogarts, and they didn't do it. And because they waited on Xander, he got to free agency, and then San Diego came in with a crazy offer, and you lost the player. Guess what? Brian Bayo. You know what he said recently? Brian Bayo said they haven't even had contract negotiations. Brian Bayo wants to sign an extension. They haven't even had those conversations. There's absolutely zero defense for this ownership group. Unless you're brainwashed. One of the highest ticket prices in all of baseball and their payroll is hovering around 10th to 13th in baseball. And they keep shoveling lies to you. They told you one thing two or three months ago. They told you they were going to spend money three months ago. Three months later, we're slashing payroll. Look, even if you even if you don't like the idea of, of spending big money, they should have told you. They should have told you four months ago. The messaging is all over the place. And now we're long, but I don't care because I'm heated about this Red Sox conversation. I'm very passionate about this. If you're not going to spend, don't go out there and say you're going full throttle. If you're not going to spend, don't even pick up the phone when it comes to Yoshinobu Yabamoto. If you're not going to spend, don't even be involved in these conversations. If you're not going to spend, don't ask people to spend through their butt to go to a Sunday afternoon baseball game in the summertime. All right. <laughs> Hopefully everybody enjoyed this show. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. All of your, uh, all of your support means the world to me. I appreciate Shooter McGavin. And others in there for uh, throwing in some of the back and forth so we can have a good conversation. That's what this is all about. It's all about interaction. It's all about agreeing, disagreeing, going back and forth. It's like we're at a bar. That's what this is all. This That's what it all is, right? So I appreciate you. Thank you. More thumbs means the world to me. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Aside if breaking news happens, of course, we'll be back if that does. But uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m. right here on YouTube. Nick Cattle Show, enjoy the rest of your Monday.